2: The Around the League podcast has no prior head coaching experience. Welcome back
3: to another edition of the Around the League podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room full of heroes. Chris Wesling, Mark Sessler, and Greg Rosenthal. What up, boys? Hey, Dan. Good evening. It's Sunday night. I can feel the energy. Oh, it's pulsating through my veins, personally. It, I don't know about you guys.
4: It's much different on a Sunday when... Last Saturday, you guys were coming off of an all-day cornhole extravaganza, whereas this Saturday, <laughs> you're coming off of a two-year-old birthday party, of which <clears throat> you went for my daughter. So yes. I thank you for as that. Far and as, as, you, was- as
5: far as you know, that's all we're coming off. <laughs> <laughs> Ca-
3: yes, that's true. Casa Del Rosenthal hosted us. It was really it was quite pleasant, I would say.
6: It was very nice. Ch- and- children all around. Happy birthday to uh, your daughter, Ellis. She turns two. <laughs>
3: <laughs> a lot of information. So... Here we are. We are in week three. Another a little bit a little bit disappointing uh, to me personally this week. Or some ugly games, uh, but also some interesting subplots. So maybe you should continue to listen to the podcast. <laughs> despite A lot of surprises this week. A lot of surprises. And let's start right off the bat. In Candlestick Park, San Francisco, the 49ers get taken down at home by the Colts. Greg Rosenthal, watch that game. Tell us about it. It's not
4: only... A surprising result who won but the fact that the Colts were the tougher team than San Francisco is making me rethink a lot of things I mean in the fourth quarter of that game they are running the ball straight through the 49ers defense when they know the run is coming it's not Trent Richardson who is a non-factor really it's Ahmad Bradshaw who looked terrific and the 49ers have to think now okay they lost Patrick Willis in this game with a groin injury Uh, We found out after the game that Alden Smith will be away from the team on an indefinite leave of absence. Ian Rappaport reported uh, he's going to get treatment uh, for substance abuse problems, uh, and they can't throw the football right now. So this is a team suddenly in week three that's got a whole bunch of problems.
3: I was stunned by this. I talked about on Friday. I thought that this was a buzzsaw game for the Colts. They were going to go in, face this 49ers team that got embarrassed in their previous game against the Seahawks. You would think this would be the chance where they'd kind of sharpen up again and beat up on the Colts. But instead, they they get, really got beat up on themselves. And uh, to Mark Sessler's credit, you had the hero pick on this. You picked the Colts, and you described it, I believe, as one of your funny feelings. Right? I just
6: had a feeling... But, you know, Harbaugh, back-to-back losses for the first time as the coach of the 49ers, that doesn't bother me so much except to look at how they lost these two games. In the course of one week, I mean, they got rattled by by Seattle. They come in this game, you think that that Indy is the kind of team that's going to learn how to play tough football from a team like San Francisco. Greg said it best. I mean, I watched the second half of that. They just got thumped. Colin
4: Kaepernick really struggled. The book is out on this 49ers team. I mean, they didn't have Vernon Davis in the game. They got to figure out how to beat man coverage. They don't have anyone that can get open against man coverage, and that's what the Colts were doing. Uh, he couldn't throw the ball, couldn't run the ball. It is a great sign for the Colts that Andrew Luck had a very nondescript game, played okay, wasn't really that huge of a factor, and the Colts won going away. That whole narrative about Andrew Luck has no help, that's gone right now.
5: The uh, both Super Bowl teams now have the same problem, lack of talent at the skill positions on offense.
3: Hmm. And I don't, I don't put too much into it I, when people say distractions hurt a team. But I, so I don't think Alden Smith, what happened with him, the, the DUI, and now immediately after the game him going away from the team, I don't think that plays into it. But going forward now, I mean, that's that's a big issue. That guy was a, a, part of the guts of your defense, and we have, we have no idea how long he's going to be gone. All of a sudden, are we a little worried about the Niners?
4: It's a big game Thursday night against the Rams, you know they're we'll see if Patrick Willis is ready for the game. We'll see if Vernon Davis is ready. I mean these are their top players we're talking about uh and they're not playing with them right now, so yeah it's it's a problem.
5: one last thing on this game. I'm less than thrilled that the Colts are turning uh Andrew luck into Russell Wilson going with this yeah. run heavy come on, free Andrew luck <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> that's fair, that's fair um. All right, so, yeah, let's move on. Let's go through the schedule, all of Sunday's games. Um, Greg Rosenthal, I believe you all also were watching the Baltimore Ravens-Houston uh, Texans game, correct? Or-
4: that, that is a true statement. Not a uh, pretty game. <laughs> a lot of penalties in this one, and not a lot of offense. The Texans should have had a big lead in the first half. Didn't really take advantage uh, of some great situations. And it just reminded me of some old-school Baltimore Ravens' ugly game. They get a punt-return touchdown. They get a defensive touchdown. There's only one touchdown scored in this entire game on offense. That was by the Ravens had a nice drive with Torrey Smith. And they're winning ugly. And this is two straight games now. Their defense has not given up a single touchdown at home. Matt Schaub did not play well in this game. And I think Baltimore's got to feel good that they can win games in different sorts of ways now. How did uh, Ed Reed look? He was a non-factor. I mean, he had three tackles. Just one of those kind of deep safety games where you didn't make a lot of noise either way. You know, the guy I noticed a little more was Matt Elam, who came into the starting lineup for the Ravens. Essentially Reed's replacement. This was his first start. Uh, the Texans didn't have a play over 18 yards in the entire game. So this was a station-to-station really slow-moving offense, and they, they're struggling to make big plays, and Matt Schaub's not playing that well.
3: I still feel pretty good about my 8-8 eight and eight prediction for the Texans. I know I'm in the minority on that about where they'll we'll finish this year, but they're very close. They could be, if a couple things went against them, 0-3 right now. They did not play great in either week one or two. They need comebacks in both games, and now they're flat on the road against a Baltimore team that I think everyone agrees is not complete by any means. Um, so I don't, know, I don't know about the Texans right now.
4: I just have to point out that J.J. Watt has become the most fun defensive player to watch in my lifetime. Week after wow. week, wow. Did insane. you
5: sleep through last season?
4: No, I know, but <laughs> it's just the fact that it's continuing and taking it to another level. I thought his game last week against Tennessee, one of the best of his career. He was incredible again today, uh, and it's just—I mean—it's just a joy to watch every week.
3: All right, moving right along, I had the pleasure. Pleasure is probably not the word, but I watched the Carolina Panthers absolutely destroy the New York Giants, 38-0. Could be the low point of the Tom Coughlin era in New York. I think this was a game where, from the very beginning, it was just complete domination on both sides. Eli Manning had no chance. Uh, He completed 12 passes in the game and uh, was sacked seven times, including six times in the first 17 minutes of the game. Uh, this, th- this is the type of protection we're talking about. The running game did know better. Um, so the Giants are now 0-3, and I'm shocked. I thought they were going get, to get off the Schneid, but they're not, and they're in deep trouble. Remember when the
5: Kraken predicted he would have 50 sacks this year?
3: <laughs> yes. <laughs> I thought he might get that in the first quarter. <laughs> yes, I believe he had three sacks uh, today. Uh, but he didn't have sacks in either of the first two games, so he's still way off his projection.
6: You know, in the on last podcast, Wes and I both talked about Carolina as our pick of the 0-2 teams that could potentially turn things around, make some sort of a run. The defense, to me, was the obvious reason, but it, what I was reading, and tell me what you saw, that they kind of changed up the offense for Cam Newton this game.
3: They did. You, you saw more running from Newton, which was smart. Uh, Mike Shula, who... Around these parts, anyway, doesn't have a great reputation uh, as I look over at He's West. He's the uh, ATL whipping boy. Yeah, uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, listen, when you have someone as dynamic as Newton, you've got to design some plays to let him make plays with his legs, and he did that, and it just goes to show. He played, Newton played just a really uh, balanced game. He had one bad interception, but he threw three touchdowns. He He ran for another. He was in total control, and the only thing I will say is, and you can't take it away from them that they blew the Giants out. But before I believe in the Panthers, I want to see them win one of those close games that they seem to lose um, on a biweekly basis.
4: Are the Giants the worst team in the league other than the Jaguars? Jaguars, let's throw out of this discussion. <laughs> Steelers? Steelers are in that mix. That It's incredible that those are the teams yeah. we're talking about, but that's how they've played. I mean, they've had three straight really bad performances.
6: You know, another thing about New York, and it, it's not just that David Wilson's been disappointing, but I understand the whole they didn't get the contract thing done with Ahmad Bradshaw. But, look, the guy looked good tonight. That's a guy that would have fit perfectly into New York's offense right now. They need a guy they can rely on running the ball. That's a shame it didn't work out.
3: Yeah, but even if... T- today, just speaking of today's game, though, Bradshaw wouldn't have done anything. It was... David Wilson, they actually tried to work him more back into the game plan, and he was just getting swallowed up in the backfield. Actually got a penalty call on him because he spiked the ball in frustration at one point after getting swallowed up for a four-yard loss. I mean... It was just it was I couldn't believe how bad it was. And the other thing, the Panthers uh front line is awesome. You know, they, they they're showing it week after week. The Giants, I don't know what happened to their pass rush. Uh, I understand Pierre Paul's not himself, but in general, they, you know, Newton had all day, was comfortable, just a all around bad effort. in Their first zero and three start since '96, which was the last year of the Dan Reeves era.
5: Well, Justin Tuck hasn't been a good player in a couple years either, right?
3: No,
4: not that you need any more proof, but you would always rather have a terrible secondary than a terrible defensive line, because the Panthers couldn't have worse players in their secondary, and when you're that good up front, it doesn't matter at all.
5: Starla Tulule should have been a top three overall pick in the draft. wrestling. Boom! I
3: like that. Yeah. I Speaking of wrestling, uh, his former love, the Cincinnati Bengals, <laughs> uh, I would say the other, you know, maybe the biggest game of the week uh, in terms of an impact, the Bengals take down the Packers at home. Tell us about it.
5: It was a turnover fest. The Bengals had uh, jumped out to a 14-0 lead thanks to, in, in small part, because the Packers had a fumble on their opening kickoff. Uh, they jump out. Packers score 30 points in a row after the Bengals have four turnovers. And then the Packers basically are running running away with the game, have a chance to win. Jonathan Franklin fumbles. The Bengals take it back 58 yards. And that one play basically changed the outcome.
4: The Aaron Rodgers, I'm looking at the box score, is in the Gabbard zone. How, how did this happen? And then, then <laughs> uh, that, for everyone out there, that's that's a yards per attempt somewhere in the
3: fives or maybe under. I think it's getting to the point where we don't have to explain it anymore. America knows <laughs> what the Gabbard zone is by now.
5: Mike Zimmer's defense was swarming. Uh, Michael Johnson really put uh, David Bactiari on a, in a clown suit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Rodgers was sacked four times, hit probably a dozen or more times. And uh, the Bengals front, front four just really dominated the trenches.
6: I look at Green Bay, and I don't like for, you know, I'm a Browns fan when my team has a week four bye, that bye. It feels too early, yeah. and it's just like, listen, a lot more stuff happens. I want the break to come a little later. This, guy, this team needs the bye this, this week around. They had
5: Jeremy Ross, a wide receiver, playing running back on the final few plays of the game because Franklin twisted his ankle or something. Starks, was, Starks injured his knee. Your Michael Finley was concussed. Clay Matthews tweaked his hamstring. It sat out the second half. And that may have been the difference in the game, too. Matthews forced fumbles on back-to-back Bengals possessions in the second quarter. Bengals come back. I mean, the Packers are shutting them down. They come back with two touchdowns at the end of the third quarter and start of the fourth quarter with Matthews Matthews on the sideline. That was a big injury.
4: This is becoming a thing with them, starting the season slow. Happened last year, didn't make a difference. Happened even when they won the Super Bowl, didn't make a difference. So I'm not too worried.
3: What about the Bengals, though? I mean, shouldn't, shouldn't we be giving them a lot of credit for this game? I mean, this is a game that everyone kind of figured the Packers would, home or not. They were going to take care of business because they're the better team. And now this Bengals team, you know. I give them, them credit. credit for not going
5: away when the Packers scored 30 points in a right. row to make it 30-14. to 14. Uh, they, kept, they kept in it and kept getting after Rodgers. One other takeaway from this game is that Marvin Lewis actually won a challenge. No.
4: And a key one. That that's pretty rare for Marvin. Marvin's actually on uh the coaches podcast on Monday with our with our friends. We're helping out the podcast family here.
5: All right.
3: Greg just got paid $7 for that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on. I I got another good one. The Dallas Cowboys absolutely whooped the St. Louis Rams. And I don't want to hear...
4: That is a good one. You love the Cowboys. I,
3: I don't want to hear... I don't love the Kansas Cowboys. This is a
4: closet Cowboys fan like every Yankees fan out
3: there. That is ridiculous <laughs> and We baseless. just had our, moment, a we had our
6: moment in every show where Greg gets up out of his chair and rotates yeah. around the room to make a point.
3: I know. It, that, is, that is baseless and rude, quite frankly. <laughs> um, I do enjoy watching the Cowboys because they are kind of like NFL tragic theater Uh, with a lot of big-name stars attached to the vehicle. But, uh, you know, listen, this was a good day to be a Cowboys fan because they talked all week about they needed to get more balance in their offense, and then they came out, they gave the ball to DeMarco Murray 26 times. He ran for uh, well over 100 yards. They ran, I think, 175 yards, 193 yards in total, and when the Cowboys have that type of offense going on the ground, they're in good shape because they have so many weapons Throwing the ball, so a dominating effort, and, and I don't want to hear anything else about the NFC West having you know top to bottom talent and great teams because the Rams now it's a second straight week where they were down twenty four nothing at one point. They, they doesn't, this doesn't seem like a team that is going to hang around in the playoff picture. And one other thing, Jake Long gave him a lot of money. He got destroyed today, and um, you know he gave up sacks and he doesn't look anything close to what he was. So that that might not be a great signing.
6: It's the third week in a row where Tavon Austin had a very pedestrian game, and I, it's too early to make any sort of a judgment there. I think he's still going to probably explode at some point. But, I mean, what are you seeing from him?
3: He, was, he had six catches, but it, they were so quiet, I don't even remember seeing all of them. They, they were for 30 yards. So talk about Gabbard zone. You know, Tavon Austin was supposed to be the most exciting player uh, in the league on some level potentially, but we haven't seen that yet. But that might be they just haven't figured out how to use him yet.
6: Well, uh, last supposed... week, sorry. Well, last week I called Jeremy Curley a poor man's Tavon Austin. Do <laughs> we need to flip that around? Because Curley's got it going on.
3: I don't know. They, I don't know if we should uh, count out Tavon Austin yet, but uh, on balance, it was just not a good showing by the, the Rams' offense. They were just badly beaten. This game was over by the second quarter. How would we regard DeMarco
5: Murray if not for the St. Louis Rams? He has one-fourth <laughs> of his career yards. <laughs> In two games against the Rams.
3: <laughs> yeah, he looked good. And they and they gave the ball to him. He rushed for 48 yards on their first drive of the game, which maxed out the beat their total for the entire week before. So I imagine they're going to continue to that trend and try to give him the ball early and, and establish a tone that way. But there wasn't much else to take out of this. I, I do think it's interesting. This is the first year the Cowboys have started 2-0 at home at that new building. Maybe they finally could have a home field advantage because that has not been a very kind place to them. But uh that was that game. I don't well, want to get What too what much happened into to it.
4: the Rams defense? though? I mean, because this was supposed to be going into the into the year, maybe one of those units that contends to be a top 5 group and this is three straight pretty poor performances.
3: They also, yeah, and they also went into this game, uh, I think they were ranked 6th against the run. So, maybe this was an anom- anomaly this game, but uh, yeah, they, they couldn't stop Romo. He threw for three touchdowns, and Romo is quietly, I know he made some mistakes last week, but it, he's putting up really good numbers again, and we might be looking at another Tony Romo. Excellent statistical season, and uh, people have to decide whether that makes him a great quarterback, but he's on pace for that. Uh, so that's what it was. Both It was just a dominating effort. All right, let's move forward. Mark Sessler. The Cleveland Browns traded the face of their franchise uh, this week Everyone thought they were going to give up. Instead, they go into Minnesota, and they win. How did that happen?
6: Well, I'm not quite sure. I (laughs) did watch the game, and it it caught me by surprise. It was a weird game, honestly, and Cleveland kind of dumped the playbook. I mean, they they were running end arounds, They were running – I saw a fake punt. They did a fake field goal. I mean, it all – they capitalized on each of these plays. For me, the big takeaway, before we drill down into any other part of it, was that for a first-year head coach – after what happened this week, and probably a locker room that was, if not divided, heading that way, I thought Rob Judzinski coached a hell of a game. Jud. He did. And I think that they... He went out and got two good coordinators, Norv Turner and Ray Horton. And Horton especially. Hearing what he said during the week, what he said to his defensive side of the ball, that defense is very talented up front. They shut down Adrian Peterson. They kept him in check, at least. They had six sacks today, all from six different players. They hit Christian Ponder over and over. And I know it's quick. People want to talk about, oh, Brian Hoyer, X, Y, and Z. Hoyer's going to come back down to earth, but this is defense. I think it actually has some real talent to hang its hat on.
4: Well, how about you making the leap, guys? Your two choices, both from the Browns. Jordan Cameron, three touchdowns. Josh Gordon comes back into the lineup and really changed this entire offense.
6: Yeah, see, I'm not even sure... I'm not sure Gordon even watches tape or studies. He's just very physically talented. <laughs> and I, I mean, I'm not saying he doesn't. It just seems like the guy's been suspended. He comes back and he makes an immediate impact. We saw that beginning last season. You know, this is the first 100-yard game, though, he's had since college. And he didn't play his senior year in college. Hmm. So it's been a while. But he's shown that explosiveness. And when it comes to, to uh, Cameron... I thought, oh, initially, oh, they're using Cameron very well, but that's another extremely gifted athlete who actually can catch the ball. It's not just one of these basketball-playing guys that are going to try to turn into a tight end. It's happened again for Norv Turner after three weeks. It looks like he has a tight end that can make some incredible catches. He's done it every week, no matter who the quarterback is. So, yeah, they have some parts in place, and, and... the running game was a compl- like I mean, an ultra committee effort. Right. They had five different guys run for 103 yards, and you know, I'm not sure that's going to be their strong point. Obviously. What about
3: on the other side of the ball, Christian Ponder? Are we heading toward a benching?
6: Well, we said that in the newsroom. I thought that Josh Freeman is on the verge of a benching, but Ponder, really, number one, it's a tough watch in that building because the the Vikings fans are on Ponder immediately. And he gave them a lot of reason today. I mean, he's, he's, he did some things that are gritty, but he's still Christian Ponder. And it's almost like you're watching like a Barry Sanders in the old Detroit Lions offense where it doesn't matter what Adrian Peterson does. And defenses, defenses are starting just to test Ponder. And he can't get it done. He threw too many off-kilter passes. He threw some terrible interceptions today. He killed drives. Okay. What about
4: the state of the Browns fan, though? I mean, I, I feel like this whole <laughs> podcast was just foreplay, getting us up to the Browns and Sessler's emotion. And, and is is it? Are you feeling some hope after this?
6: I just. Well, I mean, again, I honestly, I think that they were a laughing. They, you know, the Jets for Dan have been a complete laughing stock, and the Cleveland this week has been so heavily questioned for what they did, and it's still to be seen if that was a disastrous move or not. I like Chud's ability to handle the challenge and to keep his team very focused they played really hard for him I'm not sure what else to take out from that I like that we'll see where it goes and for
3: the record Trent Richardson 35 yards on 13 carries in San Francisco today scored a touchdown but averaged 2.7 yards per carry that smells familiar
5: so this is Brian Hoyer's team until he has a debacle
6: I think it's I think it's probably fair to question if Brandon Whedon will ever play again I don't think it's anyone's team because they're going to... Ever play heat. again in totality? Well, in, for Cleveland. <laughs> okay. They're going to heat-seek. Well, he is close to the end
5: of his career, chrono- I mean, age-wise. yeah, There it is, the West <laughs> well, age-dig so of, so of of the So it's fair podcast. to question
6: if he'll ever start again, but Cleveland, obviously, we heard this from everyone from Rap Sheet to Mike Silverman, they, they are clearly heat-seeking a quarterback in the draft, but they have a backup in Hoyer at this point that I think they believe in, much more than anyone else in the team. Wouldn't it be
5: funny if the Steelers beat him to Teddy Bridgewater?
6: (laughs) I was thinking about (laughs) that today. I was thinking about that.
3: All right, and Mark, you also watched the New England Patriots uh, easily dispatch the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 23-3 in Foxborough. What a great schedule the Pats have had early on.
6: I honestly give this much more to New England's defense. I think that they uh, sneakily have built a really um, athletic, young group that seems a little different than past Patriots defenses to me uh, they completely took the Bucks out of this game right away and that's, part on, that's on Freeman to some degree he was really a mess and we saw uh, Mike Glennon warming up in the third quarter and Greg and I we started to work up a post because it seemed sure that they were going to make a switch and we talked before the game we thought this might be the week that would happen I'm pretty sure that will happen next week that's my guess that, he, that uh, Glennon will start week four
3: What's the point? Of, you know, what's the point of keeping Josh Fre- Freeman around at this point? They're zero and three. It's clear that he's lost support within his own building, and his coach doesn't like him. You got to do something to save your season. I wish more quarterbacks could get traded during the season, but I, it's so hard with
5: learning an offense. But uh, to me, he he can play better than he's played. Uh, that relationship is just ruined.
6: I agree so much because he'll do things. You know, early in the game. He and Vincent Jackson and Mike Williams, they were testing New England's cornerbacks and having some success. And in the, when they're hot, that's why they're hot. Because he finds ways to make big plays with his wideouts. I love his arm. It's just that he's so, he's so scattershot. He throws the ball sometimes with such poor decision making. And, and I think that, that his head is not on the right place in Tampa right now. You're right.
3: Alright, now comes the point in the Sunday night podcast where we reach out to our Chicago-based ATL writer, the great Kevin Patra, uh, K. Rich, is is Patra ready to speak with us?
1: I spoke to him before, and he seems ready. All right, and anxious.
2: Wow, is that true, Patra? It's all. I'm always anxious to speak with you. Uh, room full of heroes, <laughs> especially
4: uh, after a Lions victory. I can hear a little pep in your voice.
2: Yeah, I would get pep after a good victory. I,
3: I can imagine Patra right now in like a Chicago uh, cigar shop, smoking one with uh, common, <laughs> just hanging out, enjoying. <laughs> You know, coming. a really nice, <laughs> look it up, a really nice victory uh, But for the Lions. But let's start with the other game. We're going to get to the Lions, who you, the game you also watched, but let's start with the New Orleans Saints. Um, took care of business at home against the Arizona Cardinals. What did you see
2: there, Kevin? Taking care of business is a great way to put it. You know what? Thank you. Drew Brees, Drew Brees reminds me of uh, watching Floyd Mayweather fight. You know, the other the other guy might have a few jabs in the beginning, but at the end of the day, it, you know that you know what the outcome is going to be. The, Car- the Cardinals hung in there in the beginning. They they got a couple sacks. They had four sacks in the game. They got some pressure, but you know they had a couple injuries. Sam Macho left for the game, and then Breeze just picked them apart, and they had no answer for Jimmy Graham. I mean, whether they put Peterson on him, Matthew on him, I, I don't even know if Breeze would have seen Matthew behind Jimmy Graham on a couple throws.
4: But, and how about the the defense? And um, again, my favorite weekly segment: Does Chris Wessling believe in bad Santa and the biggest defensive <laughs> turnaround in the history of the NFL?
5: <laughs> Greg is <laughs> standing was- over me at the moment. Oh, I, uh, it's twice. This I episode. have no prepared statement, but I will say, I was wrong about the Saints' defense. I didn't know that Cameron Jordan was going to turn into JJ Watt this year.
2: Victory. <laughs> he, he, he was an
5: absolute beast. He's then, been a beast then, all year, and yes. I. I didn't see it coming.
2: Yeah, him and Junior Glad just set up in the, in the Cardinals' backfield. I mean, Carson Palmer had, like, no time to throw. He had, like, one beat, and it was out, and it was gone. It, it was over with. He, he had people in his face all day. He had so many throwaways that I couldn't even count them all.
4: And how about the Saints? You know, not given a chance to win this division by many in this room, at least. <laughs> now up a couple games in the NFC South. The Falcons are struggling a little bit. They're one of the early stories in the NFL.
2: They, they certainly are that. I mean, whenever time you have Breeze in a game, you got a chance. And Sean Payton coming back, the play calling has been good. The running game still has some question marks. I think Breeze was actually the leader at halftime with uh, when he knelt uh, to, to to go into half with a negative yard. Uh, they had four carries in the first half, but other than that, I mean, <laughs> wow. you know, you can nitpick all you want, but it, it's Breeze's team. He's going to throw it, and he threw it all day on a on a team that has played a decent defense the last couple weeks.
3: So, do you think we should buy in on the Saints as a real? Playoff I do. Contender? I'm buying
2: in. I, I was. I thought they would. They would. They would be a uh, wild card team to begin with, with Peyton coming back. But th- this team seems like it has it all. The defense is shored up so far. They haven't. They haven't really faced a high powered one yet. We'll see when they come against the Falcons. But I mean, right now they're they're just all over. All, all over. The pass rush is great. It's helping out the backside right now. Tonight they looked un- unbeatable.
5: Don't look now, but either the Dolphins or the Saints will be four and zero after next
3: week.
2: Wow, good point. Mm. That's a good game. Mm.
3: Okay, and now let's let's move on to your other game. You watched your Detroit Lions take care of business 27-20 win over the Redskins. What'd you see?
2: Yeah, um, you know we can focus on RG three. I think you know he played he played pretty well for a guy in his third game back. I think his storyline is a little overblown, or nitpicking. He did have two turnovers that were killer, uh, but he looked all right. He only ran two two uh, designed runs, and his, his other other four runs were a couple scrambles. The big problem, you know, the big turnover when he scrambled for twenty one yards and then go forward instead of sliding when he was trying to give himself up and fumble. That was a huge play in the game. Uh, but he looked all right. He, he still doesn't have everything on his, on his balls. He did have a nice deep throw that got touched touchdown that got overturned. But he, he's coming along. You can see as he gets more reps, he's going to get better. He just, we just got to give him time. Our expectations for him coming this season were overblown. Yeah, but they're uh, throwing 3 though.
4: I mean, at some point, they're going to have to start winning some games.
2: Right. But he, the, the, the problem is not with him. I, I didn't see in this game. It's their, their defense was just awful. I mean, the Lions didn't even take take that, all the opportunities that they were presented. The De, the had the early pick for a score, but after that, the Lions in the pass game were getting. I mean, the Redskins secondary literally lost Nate Burleson on, a, on like at least two or three plays where he went for big yards. Burleson had 100 106 yards catching uh, receiving. I mean, and if you from the Lions' perspective, they needed that boost with Reggie Bush out of the game. They needed somebody that could be second fiddle to Calvin Johnson and Joy Bell. Wasn't going to be that guy. He, he did have 20 carries and still only went for 63 yards. Their run game isn't going to be anything. But how, that Redskin secondary, it just couldn't handle it. Young guys were getting burned all day.
5: How did RG3's knee look on that 35-yard run or however long it was?
2: Yeah, you know, he actually looked, He got he had some burst. He went back. He dropped back. There was some pressure. He came up. He had to hit a quick burst because that's what I was looking for in the run. I was like, oh, let's see how far he gets. And he looked like he had the burst that we saw last year. Maybe it wasn't as, as immediate. But he, he had some momentum going. He outran a few guys that had a little bit of an angle on him. And then when he saw him conversion, he, he dove head first and fumbled it. He looked like that was good. If he, if he that he had slid properly, that would have been the play we'd have seen on the highlights if they would have punched it in and said, oh, look, he's back.
6: Kevin, so the uh, the Redskins give up 1,464 yards Work. in three games, the most in NFL history. Are you concerned that the Lions scored only 27 points? And, you know, I. <laughs>
2: I, I could I could nitpick on that, and I you know I usually usually do. I mean, the run game was obviously a concern against a, a rush defense that had given up major yards the first two weeks of the season, and they couldn't do anything on on twenty three carries. Uh, no,
3: Reggie Bush. I mean, that needs to be said. I
2: mean, give it, the guys it, a break here. They hadn't. This is their first franchise victory in Washington, right? It is one twenty one record in in DC. I was raising my hands to that one.
3: How is that
5: possible? First win against the Redskins <laughs> since they were the Boston Braves. <laughs>
2: No one predict-
4: beats the Lions 22 straight times in Washington. This doesn't happen. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Nobody. <laughs>
3: um, all right, Kevin. And, and finally, I'd like to hear your thoughts. I'll give you about five minutes to explain your thoughts on the Redskins name, whether it should be changed. No, <laughs> I'm just kidding.
2: <laughs> we could just call him the Washington Griffins, since that's all anybody seems to care about anyway.
3: All right, good answer. Uh, Kevin, thank you very much. You can go back to whatever you're doing there.
2: I'll watch this great Sunday Night Football game, fellas. All
3: right. Moving right along. Always nice to talk to Kevin Patrick, but we need to move along. We have Greg Rosenthal. Tell us about, wow, Greg is excited. But he might even stand up for a third time in one podcast. The Miami Dolphins take care of business at home. 27-23 win over the Falcons.
4: Well, I'm not just excited about the Tannehill bandwagon starting to fill up that we talked about last <laughs> week as a, as a big narrative. But you, know, you mentioned the NFC West mentioned it as the greatest division on earth you know, before the season. And how about the AFC East is undefeated out of the division <laughs> this year. 6-0, and oh, AFC East. Give it up. Uh, this game was one of those games that reminded me of a Falcons win from a year ago. The Dolphins were down the whole game. The Falcons looked like the better team. They controlled the line of scrimmage. They hit Tannehill a ton. A lot of good things were happening. They're running the ball well. And then at the end... Tannehill is the one who plays his best, has a great touchdown drive to win the game. They kind of snuck this one out. They barely had the ball in the game. And it's just kind of another step in this team's development now that they're figuring out ways to win games that they probably shouldn't have won. When is
3: Jeff Ireland going to get his contract extension? Because he's built a juggernaut (laughs) I've been
4: calling for that for like six days. You better lock them up soon because otherwise, you know, some team's going to step in and get Ireland.
5: I was flipping over to this game every once in a while because I was stuck with the uh, (laughs) Jaguars-Seahawks mismatch. Oh, yeah. Hang in there, listeners, because we're getting there. (laughs) And it seemed to me that the Falcons just blew so many opportunities where they settled for a field goal instead of a touchdown. And I guess my question is, I saw the first two games that I think Tony Gonzalez looks slower this year. They didn't – apparently they weren't looking for him in the in the end zone this – because he's usually Matt Ryan's fallback guy in the end zone.
4: Yeah, that it's a great point. He had 24 yards in this game, and they looked like they were making a concerted effort to get him involved on the first drive of the game. I think he had three catches. And after that, he was totally not to be found. I mean, their leading receiver after Julio Jones with Jason Snelling.
3: And, and can I make one point on that? Uh, I understand Tony Gonzalez earned the right or something to sit out all of off-season training and the most of training camp but it, you know this isn't a relief pitcher or something where he just needs a couple <laughs> a- appearances to get ready or you know this is a this is a professional football player a tight end I mean, you figure at that advanced age, the guy would need a full training camp to be ready for the season. I might put something into the fact that this guy basically disappeared for the summer, and now all of a sudden he was supposed to still be Tony Gonzalez. Didn't yeah. Brett Favre have
5: his statistically best season after pulling the same stunt?
3: It's a little different, though. Quarterbacks different too, to me. I feel like fair. You know, when you're a skill position player at a tight end, you know, get some reps. That's a Th- fair point.
4: Hasn't reached hundred <laughs> yards on the season yet after wow. three games. He's under ten yards per catch, and they need him so badly right now because Roddy White's out there limping on one leg. Uh, they were, like you mentioned, in the red zone, they were two for five. The Dolphins were three for three, and that was kind of the story.
6: If I had to ask you to sum up why the Falcons are one and two in like one or two sentences, what would you say?
4: I would say they're short-handed on offense. That would be it. I mean, White's not there. You know They didn't really miss Steven Jackson today. Gonzalez isn't the same. Sam Baker, their left tackle's not there. They're not protecting him. And so they're, they're a shorthanded team right now.
5: Seems like they actually protected Matt Ryan better without Sam Baker.
4: Well, they, they were just getting rid of the ball, though. They're changing their whole offense, to me, to adjust for all their shortcomings. I mean, they're, they're throwing Dink and Dug,
6: not going down the field at all. Hope Mrs. Baker's not listening to this particular <laughs> she's show. A, she's that she's was
4: a good rough. woman.
3: She's a good
6: woman.
4: That was rough.
3: She's a big fan of Lyle, the intern. <laughs> um, and any any other word, Greg, about Ryan Tannehill before we move on?
4: This wasn't his best game, even, and and they found a way to win. He had a couple beautiful throws on the touchdown drive, and he's had a knack for you know he's now he did it versus Seattle uh, last year, he did it versus Indianapolis, so it wasn't even his best game, and they won. And I think that's a good sign for them.
3: I could just see Ryan with Lauren on uh, relaxing on a sofa bed right now, fourteen dogs around them enjoying life. It's
5: probably why not? This is where to you're at in title. life at this point. I have a question for you, Dan. Do yeah. you plan on skipping the Titans and Chargers game?
3: Uh, do you want me to? No, <laughs> I just thought it would be like in the 1 o'clock games.
6: <laughs> <laughs> He's asking you to segue directly into that game. Well,
3: let's talk about it then because clearly I didn't, I didn't make a mistake. It was something I was planning all along. <laughs> uh, but why don't you tell us about that game, Chris Wesley? This was a... Uh, you could
5: say it was Jake Locker's coming out party if you believe that Jake Locker is really coming out. I'm not sure I do. We we talked about Josh Freeman, his erratic scattershot throwing. Wh- whenever Jake Locker goes back to throw, I feel like there's a 50-50 shot. It's going to be within five yards of the wide receiver. <laughs> and and this was probably his most impressive game as an NFL quarterback. And uh, I spent the first three quarters wondering if he would complete his passes.
6: Is this a team that's quietly... <laughs> Going to go draft a quarterback in April and get and end the Jake Locker experiment.
5: I think it's way too early to even hazard a guess on that. It depa- It fully depends wait, on what happens the next thirteen games. Wait, why are we? They won. They won twenty
6: seventeen. Yeah, but he is a limiting part of their offense in my, in my opinion. He
5: also, through the game winning touchdown. I pass, don't think right? it's a coincidence that he played his best drive when Kenny Britt was watching from the sidelines. Hmm. Kenny Britt has been. I mean, you could make the argument he's the worst starter in the NFL this year.
4: And how about the Chargers blowing another game? I mean, I feel Dan's hero pick pain from Week One, where he picked the Chargers. I had them as my hero pick today. I you never it
3: picked the Chargers.
4: <laughs> what? Like, did they do anything coaching wise that that led to this?
5: Yes, they did. Uh, they pulled a Ron Rivera. Oh no! Yeah, they had the lead, and it wasn't a big lead. It was a four-point lead. They ran Ryan Matthews six straight runs. They had a third down and semi long. They didn't even attempt to pass it. They just ran Ryan Matthews into the line to try to basically to dare Jake Locker to beat him in a two minute drill and he did it. They went conservative on
6: offense. What I'm, a weird start. I mean they're they're a couple plays away from being three and zero. I know. I'm not going as far
4: as Dan to never pick them again, but I won't. That one cut <laughs> that one cut deep, Mike McCoy. That cut
3: deep. He's done it. He's taken two hero picks from the ATL crew. Let's let's not ever forget that. I love it. <laughs> All right, Wes. Uh, thank you for reminding me. Although I always knew it was never a mistake. Um, now, one mistake. You want to talk about mistakes? Segway. The New York Jets won today. They have a twenty-seven twenty win over the Bills, but they committed twenty penalties. <laughs> wow. For one hundred and sixty-eight yards. That is not only that's a team record. Uh, good job, Rex. And also, uh, just two penalties shy of the NFL record for penalties in a game. Um, so if there's if there's a way to be disappointed by a win, I, I suppose you could be on that on that level as a coach, but they're not going to give it back. Uh, Geno Smith versus E.J. Manuel, the two rookie quarterbacks. Uh, Geno outplayed uh, Manuel. There's no way around it. Uh, a lot of that went back to the Jets' defense, who always seemed to play well against the Bills, especially at home. And in this case, uh, Rex did a good job. It was clear that... Manuel was never comfortable, comfortable. He did not play a good game. And uh, Geno Smith is the first Jets rookie ever uh, to throw for over 300 yards and two touchdowns in a game. And he got a lot of that yardage, uh, a long bomb to Stephen Hill for a touchdown, who actually caught it, and that was stunning. And then Santonio Holmes, the biggest takeaway for the Jets is Holmes looks healthy. Uh, he, had, he went over 100 yards, I believe he went over 150. And uh, the game-winning touchdown ultimately in the fourth quarter, he looks great. And it's the first time you could say that in over a year.
5: How, hey give it up for Rex. After next week, either the Titans or the Jets will be 3 and 1. So, there's a good chance the Jets might be 3 and 1 and the guy for all of his all the controversy surrounding him, whether he's a buffoon or not, he can coach defense.
3: There's no question he could coach defense. This was not a great game for Rex though. I have to say the penalties always is a reflection to me of the of the coaching and also you have um, he had two terrible challenges. He burned both his challenges by throwing the red flag over the span of about five real-time minutes on two challenges that uh, there's no chance the Jets had to win, and then they ended up not being able to challenge a fumble uh, by Buffalo. So, you know, Rex, it's it's always a mixed bag with him, but you're right. I mean, they're 2-1. I think it was ESPN there. All their writers agreed the Jets were the worst team in football before the season started, and now they have a 2-1 record, and they could very easily get to 3-1, so... You know, uh, on balance, it was a good day for the Jets, but also, you know, you can't get too excited. And well, G- and Gino, by the way, Gino did go over three hundred yards, but he also threw two bad interceptions. That's going to continue to happen. And when they play better teams, they're not going to get away with that.
6: One question for you: They've tried to replace uh, Darrell Revis with a mixture of what Kyle uh, Wilson and uh, D. Milner. And now Milner is coming off being benched last week. What's what do you see at the cornerback position?
3: That, I mean, they're doing they're doing a good job. Um, Making up for the loss of Revis, you could. They had. They actually played very poorly. I thought, especially in the first half against the Patriots in their secondary and the Pats' dysfunction on offense that night saved that game from getting out of hand early. But today they were a lot better. Uh, Cromartie is really, and this carries over from last year, has become a top-flight corner. He's he's shutting down. Uh, he's shutting down the opposing number one a lot and. Uh, you know, they have a good front line. The defense is, like I've been saying, the defense is going to keep them in games. I don't, still don't think they're going to win uh, a lot of games, but they're going to be close in a lot of games. Next up, Wes, you alluded to the game earlier, the Seattle Seahawks. Somehow they managed to get by the Jacksonville Jaguars at home.
5: You know, these games that we always they, they, you think they're going to be a, bl- a blowout, they don't always end this way. This game went exactly how you thought it would go. Seahawks blew them out of the building. Their starters were out by the middle of the third quarter. And the key takeaway for me was that Seattle, we knew they had the deepest roster in the league. Their backups are better than the Jaguars' starters.
4: That says it all right there. I mean, and (laughs) and no Gus Bradley revenge factor like Cesar was doing.
6: (laughs) Well, let me ask you one question. Has Chad Henney (laughs) done anything to keep, of all people, Blaine Gabbert from coming back into the starting seat?
5: Chad Henney looks exactly like Chad Henney's always looked. Uh, Scattershot takes too many sacks, turns the ball over too much. He's, he, both those guys, you know who they are by now.
6: Well, then part B, or is it on the Jaguars for not having gone out after having these two quarterbacks last year, not going out before the season and getting someone else?
4: No, because I, I just think don't force the quarterback pick in the draft, and you've got to wait to find the right quarterback. They're building up something, and maybe it'll work out well. It's kind of like when the NBA teams tank and get the one pick.
3: And that takes us to the final game of Sunday. Oh, boy. The Pittsburgh Steelers are in deep trouble. Um, We got back into the game but got taken down ultimately by the Bears. Greg, what are you seeing here?
4: Well, a lot of people are going to talk about the Steelers being 0-3, and that is a big story. And my Ben Roethlisberger MVP pick is beyond embarrassing at this point. But (laughs) I want to point to the Bears. With the game on the line and everything seems to be crumbling, you know, Jay Cutler... Brandon Marshall and Earl Bennett put together three of the prettiest third down plays you'll ever see. Cutler with a couple great throws, one great run terrific catch by Marshall Bennett makes one of the best catches of the year to put the Beautiful game catch. away and you just have to give the Bears team credit again for playing their best in the passing game when it mattered
5: That uh, touchdown pass to Bennett reminded me of the Santonio San Holmes touchdown in the uh, Super Bowl Cutler had to put it in the exact right spot and he did um, the The other takeaway for this game is the Bears. Henry Melton's one of their best defensive players. We saw him get carted off with lo- what looks to be a really serious knee injury. Um, you know, we saw Clady kind of guaranteed his thirty three million before his season-ending in, ending injury, and Melton is kind of the flip side of that. He decided to play out his contract, and now. Um, his earning power is probably going to take a hit in right. the offseason.
3: Yeah, and for me, what I take out of this game actually is in tandem with another uh, well-established NFL franchise that lost today. The Giants and the Steelers, two teams that you thought they were going to potentially save their season, right? The ship, both of them go down in flames, uh, and these two flagship-type teams, are both their seasons are basically over. It's, I mean, it's pretty amazing to me. That this is happening with these two teams. And
4: the Steelers go to London to play uh, the Vikings 0-3. Enjoy our winless teams, <laughs> London fans. Sorry about that. This is what you
3: get for the things that you did to us like 300 <laughs> years ago. <laughs> I hope you're listening, handsome Hank. Um, okay, so that is that is our, our Sunday show. Uh, we, there's one more game on the slate on Monday, the Oakland-Denver matchup. Uh, we'll talk about that on Wednesday. Uh, and uh, that's it for now. So, signing off for the mailman, the sizzler, the boss, and K Rick behind the glass. We'll uh, catch you on Wednesday.